I'm sitting in our brand new studio space. And I know that excites a lot of you because you've been clamoring for us to get back in studio and record our in-studio episodes. The feedback we've gotten is you love the live podcast, but you love the in-studio themed episodes even more. So starting next week, we are back in studio full time. Looking forward to sharing some of those episodes with you. Until then, we have one final live episode, and it was certainly one of my favorites. What you're about to hear is our final live episode. Actually, it was the final stop of the 2017 Less Is Now tour. It was Milwaukee. We had our good friend Colin Wright with us. Everything was firing on all cylinders. It made me want to go back and redo the entire tour to see if we can get it right the same way that we had in Milwaukee. If you do want to see us live, we have a couple events before we're done touring for a while. We're going to be in Australia and New Zealand in March. We've got seven cities over there, Perth and Adelaide and Melbourne and Brisbane and Sydney and Auckland. A few of those are already sold out, but there are tickets left to, to several of them still. And then also we're filming a new documentary. It's called The Minimalists. Less is now. And we're building this documentary around the talk that we've given over the course of the last year. And we wanted to film that talk in a really beautiful space. So we rented out this beautiful warehouse in Los Angeles. And we're inviting 600 of you. We're doing two events, a 3 p.m. event and a 7 p.m. event on February 10th. And you're welcome to join us for that live event. The 3 p.m. event is already sold out. There are still a few tickets left for the 7 p.m. event. If you want to be part of this documentary, if you want to be part of this talk, if you want to see us live, you can find us there February 10th or in March. We'll be in Australia and New Zealand. All the information is on our website. Just head on over to theminimalists.com slash tour. You can find all the dates and ticket information over there. All right, y'all. We're back in studio next week, and you're going to love the space. It looks beautiful. So make sure you're on our email list if you're not already. You'll see some photos, and, and oh, we're going to add a video component to the podcast soon as well once we get enough Patreon supporters. So we're, we're, we're steamrolling closer and closer to that. In the meantime, I really hope you enjoy this live version of the Minimalists podcast in Milwaukee. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Live from Turner Hall, my name is Joshua Fields Milburn And I am Ryan Nicodemus And together we are The Minimalists Live in Milwaukee Right. Nice. We love you more. You, you know, we're, we're doing uh, 50 cities this year, and this is the end of our North American tour. And our, our booking agent, I said, where's a great place for us to go in the winter to finish this thing? And he was like, how about Milwaukee? I'm like, hell yeah. And, and now we're here. And in we have an appropriate guest for tonight because 
Um, this journey started for us, as you know. We started the website about seven years ago. Actually, it'll be seven years ago next week. It's crazy, man. And uh, so maybe eight, eight and a half years ago, I stumbled across this thing called minimalism, thanks to this guy. And so because of the guy we're about to bring out on stage, he's sort of the reason that we're all congregated here tonight. He is an author of 33 books, I believe now, at age 32. And... Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 why did we invite him to be on stage with us again to outshine us? I don't know. Well, because like, I, I like being embarrassed in front of hundreds oh, of people. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he has a great podcast called Let's Know Things. He is a world traveler, a minimalist, and one of my closest friends in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, Colin Wright. It's, it's a hell of a bookend, you know, seven years have, have gone by since we, we started the is, website. Is it weird that I feel like we kind of still just started? No, it's not weird at all. We, we were just backstage talking about this. So our very first tour was six years ago, and uh, the fourth stop, we were in Knoxville, and no one showed up. And, um, and as we were leaving, I like, were waiting and waiting. As we were leaving, two people walked in and like, hey, you're the minimalists. Damn right we are. <laughs> And we sort of just had a one-on-one -on -one session for an hour with two people. And uh, there, there's something appealing about that. And, uh, and now we're really fortunate that you all are willing to show up and, uh, and even pay to get in. That's really amazing. Um, so thank you for being here. And Colin, thank you for being here. Um, it, it's been a hell of a journey for us. I know minimalism isn't your main gig like it is ours. Um, but you started a podcast uh, recently. And, and the thing that I, I and we, we give you shit about it all the time, because um, Colin is literally one of the smartest people I know, but he's also, the, the thing that, that is more intriguing than just the fact that he's smart is he's really curious. And so the, the title of your podcast, Let's Know Things, it, it started just because you're like, I want to learn some stuff, and I'd like to, instead of just learning it myself selfishly, I want to share it with people. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it, it's interesting, because we talk a whole lot about minimalism, and that, that's kind of a, the journey that gets you where you want to go, but for each and every one of us, I think there's something that we want to get to. There's a reason that you're trying to clear away stuff, the inessential stuff. and It's like minimalism is not the destination. Exactly, yeah. And, and of course, life is a continuous journey, so that you're going to continue to iterate. But there's something probably that you have in mind that you're realizing that you're not able to do now. And for me, it was kind of like being able to sit and read a book all day and like never see anyone. And just sit there, glued to the book, and read about really obscure stuff that nobody else cares about. And then try to put it into a format in which I can make other people care about it and share these things that I think are so interesting in a compelling way. And so the podcast really is about that at the end of the day. It's communicating things that I think are important that we don't have a whole lot of vehicles for delivering to people right now. The mediums that we have set up on the internet and elsewhere are not primed for this type of thing. And, and for me, what allowed me to do it is clearing out all that other stuff because frankly it takes a whole lot of time to sit and indulge in all of this reading and, and being isolated from society as I do it. Well, and, Any introverts out there? And, and, and the, the interesting thing is, like, the, the topics, they, they span, I mean, such a wide variety. I mean, you, on one episode, you might be talking about genealogy and, 
and artificial intelligence, and then, then the following week you're talking about sex dolls. And, and it, it's, it's a constant journey of, of yeah, sort of expo- exploring, I, you know, it almost sounds cliche, but like, like the hidden side of, of um, we all, you go beyond the Wikipedia page in a way. I'm glad you think that. Yeah, that's the aim. The, and the aim, too. Like, this is, this is the interesting thing that, unfortunately, it's, it's another thing that's difficult to convey using traditional uh, modes of communication, that everything is connected. There's not really any delineation between different fields of study. And if you look close enough and deeper and deeper, you can see that root structure. And so trying to connect these diverse subsets of life, of, of research, of industry, of everything else, and break down the silos... That, to me, is a very compelling story to tell. And if you go back and listen to all the episodes, all of them kind of connect in a way, too, despite the, the seeming disconnect between things like AI and sex dolls. <laughs> There's a deep connection there, no pun intended. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Now, now is, it, is it true that you record every episode in a loincloth? I often forget the loincloth. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, minimalism. Hashtag minimalism. How about we answer some questions, y'all? Howdy, what's your name? Hi, I'm Carrie. I'm from Peoria, Illinois. Um, I teach back home, and in the spring, I have this really cool opportunity to do a week-long class on basically whatever I want. So I've chosen to do a week-long class on minimalism, and I have a lot of high schoolers who are actually really, really excited for this class. Um, And my question for you is, what would you say to a group of high schoolers? um, What advice would you give or direction would you give them uh, about about minimalism um, as they're just a few years out from stepping out into the world and managing their own lives? Yeah, well, right now, they're, they're a few years out potentially from stepping into a lifelong commitment of debt. And that, that is terrifying. And, and I like to, I mean, much like your podcast, it's, it's exploration through questioning quite often. And, and right now, what I would encourage anyone to do, but especially people who are in high school, I mean, it's, it's the weirdest thing in the world. We, we say, all right, you're 18 now. Here's six figures worth of debt. Go figure it out. We wouldn't do that for any, anything else besides schooling. We wouldn't say, you know what? Ryan, you're 18 now. Here's $150,000. Go start a business with it. Um, although, or go start 10 businesses, 10, $15,000 businesses with it. We, we, we don't do that. But we, we often get saddled with debt, and we don't know the direction in which we want to travel, right? And so I'm, I'm not going to sit up here and say that I think all schooling is inherently evil, um, it's not. I think there's certainly a purpose for it. But the question is, are you following someone else's path or are you following the path that, that, you, that, that you want to follow? And then the question is, why is that your path, right? For me, when I turned 18, Ryan told the, stir- the story earlier of like, well, if we could just make X amount of dollars, then I'll be happy, right? And the path for that was like, well, then I'll go get this sales job, right? And I'll start climbing this corporate ladder, I never asked why. And five years down the road, I had climbed high enough that I was like scared to jump down. I was scared to change course because it would have meant backtracking. And now is a great time. They don't have to backtrack. They can figure out what that course is going to be. Yeah, I, I think, first off, like when high school kids show up at our events, like it is 
one of the biggest compliments ever. Um, I'm also a little jealous because, like, I thought I was like ahead of the game at 28, and then when someone you know like 15 or 16 shows up, I'm like, God, they're so much more further ahead than me. <laughs> like, yeah, of course I'm happy for them, but wish I would have started a little younger. So, um, to a high school kid though who who has never heard of us though, and um, you know you're, you're trying to introduce them uh, to to the minimalists. Um, I think in high school I had this idea of what successful was. And it was shaped very much by uh, advertisements. It was shaped by um, the things that my friends had, the, the houses that I worked in when I was working for my dad, the houses that my other friends lived in, um, whatever influences that I had in my life, it was always about comparing myself to others' success. And then I could tell whether or not I was successful. And I think with high school kids, um, the one thing I would really try and help them understand is that there is no one definition for success. And to add to that, I would say, if you're trying to be successful by, by having more money or more things, there is no one, there's no, there's no role model that it, it, on their deathbed is like, man, thank God I bought all those things. <laughs> Thank God I spent all that money and ignored all those important things in my life for stuff. No one ever died. Now, you, you do have some reality TV stars and, and musicians and other things that will show an ostensible life that looks amazing. But, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and call it any, I really want to, but I'm not going to call it any particular star. But <laughs> we know the stories of everything's great and then, no, it's actually not great. And we see that way more often uh, than, than, than the obverse of that. So um, I, I would really try to help kids understand that success is not what their friends do. And uh, measuring success off of money and things is, 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 not, the, is not the best route. Mm. Great points. I, I would also tell them that to start, rather than starting by just going through and, and getting rid of a bunch of stuff willy-nilly, it's easy to get caught up in the ritual. And the rituals by themselves, like going through the habits and routines and, and walking those paces, that can be valuable unto itself, but it's even more valuable, I would argue, if before you start doing it, you take a great big step backwards and take a look at the big picture. Look at your life, look at what you hope to accomplish, look at where you want to go. Even if there's nothing specific, no specific career trajectory or passion that you want to pursue, even if it's just freeing up time to figure out what your passion is, having an idea of that first allows you to be a whole lot more particular and a whole lot more efficient in terms of what you reduce, in terms of the, the habits that you add into your routine as you reduce the number of negative habits that are not adding anything to your life. So taking that step backwards first, looking at the big picture, identifying which general direction you want to go, and then allowing that to guide what ritual or exercises you take on after that. Carrie, thank you for, do, for doing what you do, and thank you for making the, the ride up from Peoria. Really appreciate yeah. that. And I know there are other teachers in this audience, and I want to thank all of you as well. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Howdy. What's your name? Where are you from? Hi, I'm Andrea. I live just outside Milwaukee, and I'm so excited you guys are here. Thank you for being here. Thanks for making this the last part of your winter trip. You know what? We almost didn't make it here today. We spent about eight hours at the Detroit airport uh, today, and... They delayed the flight, then they delayed it again, then they let us on the flight, 
and then the pilot was late. And then after the pilot showed up, they're like, all right, this is going to take 45 minutes to de-ice the plane. And they de-ice the plane. They start taxiing away. And he's like, I, I shit you not. He comes on the overhead, uh, the intercom, and he said, our check engine light just came on. <laughs> Big fans in Detroit. They'll say anything to keep these guys there. <laughs> And, and so like, he's like, we're going to return to the gate. And we get back to the gate, and, and uh, we walk, uh, we, we, we're just waiting there. We're not sure if we're going to let you off the plane. And eventually, like, okay, we're going to deplane now. And I'm like, well, I contact our booking agent. I'm like, I don't think, I don't think Milwaukee's going to happen tonight. What an end to the tour. And uh, last minute, they're like, all right, we've rebooked the plane, and we're putting gas in it. And like, we literally went right from the airport straight to here, and, and we made it here tonight. So thank you for being here. So happy to be here. We're very happy that you're here as well. So my question, I'm curious about your typical day, week, month, and what makes now the happy life that you've dreamed of and that you've created for yourselves. Um, what does that mean to you now, and, and what does that look like? So, so I, my life is measurably happier than, than what it was for sure, I think the biggest reason why it is happier is because I'm no longer chasing happiness, uh, and, and instead I'm I'm living a meaningful life. And what that means for me is aligning my daily actions with, with what my values are, and that also means course correcting from time to time. I just wrote an essay uh, recently about my need to say no. Like I accidentally became busy this year, and and for me, busy is the worst vulgar word in all of the the English language. Um, it's the worst four-letter word there is. And, and, and I accidentally like, allowed these, I said yes to a lot of things that individually were actually good things to say yes to. It wasn't nonsense. It wasn't like, well, I'm going to say yes to you know, scrolling through Facebook for seven hours today. Um, <laughs> it, it was saying yes to all, all of these things that independently were all really good things to say yes to. But when you stack them on top of each other, it's... Um, a couple of years ago, the United Nations released their list of 163 priorities. <laughs> now, let me explain something to you. The, the word priority was not a plural until the 20th century. And so priority literally means the first thing. The United Nations has 163 first things. It's like uh, last a couple of weeks ago, um, the, the Black Friday, and then there's Cyber Monday, and now I'm seeing all these businesses. Cyber Monday week. <laughs> and, and it just becomes nonsense. And what I realized this year is like, oh shit, I've developed a lot of priorities. And my priorities started getting in the way of my priorities. And, and then I realized I had to step back and I, I had to say no because it literally made me sick. And, and three weeks ago was the first time we've ever had to cancel a show in, in seven years. We were in Washington, D.C. And I realized, like, wow, I, I've taken on too much and I, I need to step back and I need to reprioritize. And so uh, a day in my life, actually, here's, if I had something that was shorter, uh, this, Jimmy, this thing Jimmy Kimmel said, he said, um, I'm paraphrasing here, but if it's on my calendar, I don't enjoy it. 
And I'm sure that resonates with some of you, right? And so I try to put very few things on my calendar, and I'm happier when, when there's less, when fewer things are scheduled. Yeah, I, I, I don't have any particular routine, especially with a crazy tour schedule. I mean, this year, uh, at the beginning of the year, it started with we were going to film a special for Netflix, which we have an awesome relationship with. Um, they're, they're awesome over there. Uh, and then Andrew Russell kind of threw a wrench in everything. He's our booking agent. <laughs> and he, and he like hit us up and he's like, you guys should go on tour right now. And I would love to represent you. And this is like the first legit tour we have ever been on. So up until this year, we, Josh and I have been responsible for booking venues, showing up and setting up the venue, sound, Lights, everything. Unfolding the chairs. Oh, I, I learned in London, uh, England in 2014, I learned that I, I should bring an extra t-shirt with me because chances are I'm going to be really sweaty right before I get on stage. That also means borrowing couches, by the way. I've toured with these guys before, borrowing couches, borrowing beds, and sometimes it's the three of us on a futon, and Josh is a cuddler. Yeah. <laughs> Colin, it was your idea, dude. You try to roll away, he comes after you. <laughs> so, so this year, you know, it's been really hectic, and I have not had, like, one particular, like, here's my eight-hour schedule, which I kind of like. Um, I kind of like mixing it up, but I will say that I focus on three things every single day. Uh, I focus on exercise. Like, somehow, I've got to get some push-ups in, uh, I'm talking like bare minimum, I've got to do something. Most days, Mariah and I are at the gym and we hit it hard. We hit it hard every single, week, every single day of the week. No. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, was trying not, I was trying to make a joke and I really just sounded like a, more of a bro guy there. Like I didn't mean to. Um, but, but no, but I, I focus on exercise. I focus on adding value to my relationship. So if it's not Mariah, then it's Josh. If it's not Josh, then it's my mom. If it's not my mom, then it's, it's Colin. Or maybe, it's, maybe I'll hit them all up in, in one day. I don't know. <laughs> but I am always asking myself, like, who haven't I talked to? Um, who, who do I feel like I really need to give some attention to today? And how can I show the people around me that I love them and appreciate them? Uh, the third thing is, is I will take at least, if it's not, you know, five minutes, it'll be a minute of meditation. And, and I will take a second to, to uh, try to reset myself a little bit. Um, other than that, uh, the biggest thing for me is making sure that all of my, my uh, short-term actions are in alignment with my, my long-term values and beliefs. So that's really where I'm focused on. So if I was to say, like, what is my routine? Like, that's really my routine, is every day I'm focused on making the best decisions possible so I can thank my my 37-year-old self, my 40-year-old self, so I can really feel good about what I've done with my time and resources. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's not a, a typical routine. It's just focusing for me on those core values and, and really, really hitting those hard. Now, Colin, you have, you, your, your life has changed a little bit recently, intentionally. Um, when I first met you, it was 2009. And at the time, and up until very recently, you were traveling to a new country every four months and I really admired that, but everything that he owned fit into his like bag, and that was all he owned. And I'm like, wait a minute, in order to become a minimalist, you have to own 52 items? No more than that. 
or you don't get your minimalist card, which is one of your items. <laughs> 51 items? <huh? laughs> and, and so I, admi I admi admired him for what he was doing, but not because of the travel. I hate travel. And, but I, I realized that like, he was pursuing what he was passionate about. The weird thing was, though, he was traveling to a new country every four months, and he didn't pick the country. The people on his website, his blog is called Exile Lifestyle, by the way. It's a, it's a great blog. He's the best nonfiction writer on the internet. And um, uh, I mean that sincerely. And um, uh, when you take me out of the picture. And <laughs> oh, I was waiting for it. <laughs> and and it, was, it was really fascinating because, like, I was just talking to Joshua Becker about this recently, and he, he was saying, you know, I saw this. I'm like, you ever think about doing that with your family? Just letting other people pick where you move every four months. And you ended up in some, like, really unique place you wouldn't think about because people were voting on where to go. So you're in India one month, and then four months later you're in Iceland, and then, and then you are in your Argentina or wherever. You're all over the world. And then recently you said, you know what? Like, I want to, like, I, I want to figure out, like, how to, how to sort of reacclimate myself into the states, and so uh, you ended up in the booming metropolis of, of Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Wichitans. <laughs> no, <laughs> not super surprised. And and, and then uh, and then recently, people voted on what state you were going to go to, and that was Tennessee. And so you are currently living in Memphis, Tennessee, and so. <laughs> Wow. And, 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 and you are, you're at this point in your life where you're no longer like just being the peripatetic writer and you may go back to doing that, but you actually have um, rituals for the first time in a long time. It's very strange, yeah. And th this is how this connects to that question. I, well, since 2009, so since I was 24, I'm 32 now, I have had to develop habits that are portable and modular, things that can be moved around and done from anywhere. Depending, or regardless of the infrastructure available, I couldn't carry weights with me. I could, that would be stupid. Uh, <laughs> if you use all carry-on luggage, do not carry weights. Even kettlebells are sexy, I know. Do not put one in your luggage. It's not worth it. You'd be hauling that around a whole lot, getting more than you bargained for. But everything has to be modular and reformatable depending on your circumstances. And in some places, people wake up super early. In some places, there's going to be like the call to prayer at a certain time of day. And in some places, it's going to move a lot more slowly. There's going to be electricity all day. In some places, not so much. Didn't they make you drink vodka like for breakfast or something? Oh, uh, hungry. Yeah. 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 In some places, you're drunk all day, not by your own design. <laughs> Because of somebody's grandmother uh, feeding it to you for breakfast. Uh, and so you really have to be able to roll with the punches. So for most of my 20s onward, that's how my rituals have been. So I've, I kind of broke my rituals and habits up into chunks that I could do in about 20 minutes at a time. And so something that I've continued to do since 2009 is I take 20 minutes a day to sit quietly and do nothing. And no music, no mantras, no humming, no, not, not even like breathing exercises or anything. I've tried a bunch of different types of meditation and they're all valuable in their own way, I think, to different people. For me, what I find works really well is sitting, staring at nothing, letting my vision blur a little bit and just allowing my mind to unspool and just do what it's going to do and worry about stuff and get to the bottom of it, come to solutions or not. There's no goal except to take that quiet time and allow my brain to do what it's going to do. And little, I remember you writing about this and, and, yeah. and called it uh, 20 Minutes of Awesome. Yeah, it's so awesome. Which is also his Tinder bio. 
<laughs> At, 20 minutes might be a stretch. <laughs> but little, little things like that are amazing. And they're portable throughout your life, wherever you go geographically. Workouts are the same, body weight resistance workouts. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, but today, I've been able to take those things and segment them into a slightly different lifestyle. So no matter where, where life takes you and what you decide to do next, having little things like that that you can take and move around your day and that you can do with whatever equipment you happen to have at hand, nothing is totally necessary, then you're in a really, really good spot, I think, uh, to continue to evolve, to allow yourself to evolve without getting stuck and held back in a way by maybe expensive equipment that you've purchased or uh, reliable Wi-Fi. Maybe you want to go someplace where there isn't reliable Wi-Fi, and if one of your rituals and routines is dependent on that, then you'll be hamstrung any place that you want to go where you don't have that digital umbilical connected all the time. So no matter what equipment you have, you can have 20 minutes of awesome, is what Colin is trying to say. <laughs> uh, do you have a copy of our book, Everything That Remains? I do not. Okay, Jess, do you want, where are you at, Jess? Ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Lynn Williams. She is the social media behind the minimalism, and she's pretty awesome, yes. Uh, we could not do, like, the reason why our social media looks awesome is because Jess is a millennial and gets it. <laughs> we cannot do it without her. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't want to feel like I'm selling you a copy of the book. So Jess will give you a copy of everything that remains. But it does have uh, a, a, some stuff in there about rituals. We talk about the 20-minute of awesome, and there's some other things in, in there, too, I think you'll find valuable. Thank you very much. Thanks for the question. Thank you. One sec. So before, before we move on, if you're listening to this at home and you have a comment or tip for anyone who asked a question today, you can give us a call, 406-219-7839, or send a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. It's my favorite part of the show. At the end of the show, we air a handful of comments and tips from our listeners, which I borrow and incorporate into my own life at some point. All right, Ryan, what time is it? It is time for our hashtag Ask the Minimalists lightning round, where, yeah, we usually answer uh, questions from social media, but... Josh won't be on his phone up here while, uh, while you guys are here. So we'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll take the questions in line. Yeah, we're on uh, all the socials at The Minimalist. We usually answer questions uh, from there, but we'll, what we try to do is we just try to wrap it up with a really pithy answer that you could tweet, but because it's on the spot, we'll ramble on a bit and then we'll give you something tweetable at the end. How's that? Um, my question is not about physical items, but instead on the emotional side. So how do you manage your emotions you've had, that you have accumulated throughout your childhood? So an example is, my family is not very close. Uh, whenever we would do something as a family, my father's reaction would always be, ugh, if we have to, or I guess, or some similar negative reaction. So every time I would feel such guilt and feel really bad uh, for my mom, uh, and he, he could have totally been just joking around, but I took it as him being serious. So now that I'm in a serious relationship and my boyfriend does the same thing, I get, I get excited about trying something new or doing something I've not done in a long time, and his response is the same way, which is totally fine. Uh, that's his personality, and I do not want him to change or not feel comfortable being himself around me. So, and we have talked about it, and he explains that he's joking, but I become overwhelmed with guilt and sadness every time still. 
So what I'm asking is, how would you go about removing those childhood emotions that are getting in the way from growing and moving forward? Also, I know that we <clears throat> are different than my parents, but how do you control the worry? And also I'm aware um, that this is all on me. This is not my mom or dad or boyfriend's fault. I choose how I respond and how I handle situations. Wow, so, so is he here tonight? He is, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I didn't tell him the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and my first thing it, it was, I was going to say is if you've talked to him about this before and he still reacts like that, that's pretty shitty of him. Well, and, and um, but, but here's the good news. Dude, you're totally off the hook because you haven't had this conversation yet. Uh, you're just not off the hook after tonight. And, and um, because, because here's the truth, you're taking ownership, right? You, you know, there's like this old cliche, like if, if you were to, if I point to Colin, like one, one finger's pointing at him, but three are pointing back at me, right? And you're actually pointing this back at yourself and you're taking ownership of, of the situation. You're saying, how do I get rid of the guilt? But the truth is you need, you need him to be supportive first. And my guess is he doesn't understand those behaviors. It is, it, we all have our, our little ticks right? And, and the way that we can be supportive of each other is he needs to understand that about you. You're like, hey, I have this particular insecurity because guess what? We all have our insecurities, right? And, and he needs to be able to adjust his feedback, his commentary, his interactions with you accordingly. Uh, that doesn't mean that he needs to coddle you unnecessarily. That's not what you're asking for. I can tell us not what you're asking for. What you're asking for is a little bit of understanding. And my guess is it's a serious relationship. You said your boyfriend loves you, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so he wants to support you. And so um, what, what he's, he's going to need to do is, is look for feedback, not criticism. Because what, what you're seeing this as right now is criticism. You say something, he's like, ah, if we have to. Or, oh, do we have to do that? And, and, and the thing is, like, that's part of our culture, sadly, right? Um, most of us live uh, remarkably unremarkable lives because we've been given this template, this template of, like, the, we're fulfilling this sort of sitcom role of life sometimes. And, and we need to step back from that. And so all you're doing right now is you're asking for support. And I, I want to applaud you for, for taking ownership uh, of the problem, but also for, for asking for help. And I think you need to be willing to, to reach out to him whenever something upsets you and, and say, hey, look, like I'm, I'm trying to detach from this emotion. And I can tell you over the years, if I have one superpower in my life, it's detachment. But it took a long time to get there, and it's not an actual superpower. It's like building a muscle, right? Because when I was first approaching minimalism for me, I couldn't detach from anything. I, my emotions weren't even, I certainly couldn't detach from those. I couldn't even detach from the junk that was stored in my basement. I was holding on to old magazine collections just in case I wanted to go back and reference them someday. And I realized, like, well, wait a minute. I'm holding on to a bunch of stuff that isn't adding value, but guess what? A lot of the emotions that we hold on to don't add any value to our lives as well. Ooh, that's my pithy answer. We could tweet that with Jess. That's good. Um, I just want to reiterate that 
your boyfriend does want to support you. That's why he's here tonight. Um, yeah. So he, yeah, actually, let's give him a round of applause for supporting her. So it's it, just to reiterate what Josh was saying, um, having that conversation and being clear on where you need the support, that, that might need to be refined a little bit. The other thing too, here's the biggest part, is you have to support him as much as possible. Mm-hmm. You can't just demand support and not support the other person. And I think that is where I failed mostly in my relationships. Like, I'm not going to do anything until you do something. What a horrible attitude. And it ruined a lot of my relationships. Um, so, uh, yes, ask for, ask for the support, and then you got to support back. Um, to answer the question, uh, I, I guess, like, my pithy answer for, like, letting go of the childhood stuff. Um, the way, so here's how I look at my childhood. Here's my pithy answer is uh, our childhood, it shapes us, but... Once we leave the home, we get to form how we want our lives to be. And what I mean by that is, is when I look at a lot, I got relatives in prison. I got relatives who are uh, hooked on heroin. I got, um, I mean, it's a, it's a mess. And I'm not trying to just lay out all my dirty laundry, but I will say that it's very hard for me to, um, to be confident, honestly, when, when I think about um, all the things that, all the problems that my family has going on. But what I have to tell myself is that I don't make those decisions for them. And yes, again, they helped shape who I am today. And I love who I am. So I do not regret any of my past or anything. Um, if I could go back and change stuff and it be the same today, of course I would. But if I change something, I would not be able to be the person I am today. So A, I appreciate all of those really crappy memories. But the other thing too is I, I really focus on knowing and practicing that I am not my 25-year-old self, I'm not my 15-year-old self, I'm not my five-year-old self. Right now I strive to be the best 40-year-old self that I can be. And uh, I think that's what keeps me moving forward. Uh, something I would add to that too from a slightly different angle is that a lot of these things that they don't seem the same as biting your nails, our habits that we have when we reinforce past habits in ourselves or in other people, when we criticize people automatically and are not quite sure why we did it, but it's kind of just habitual, and we recognize that later, but oh, well, the moment's already passed, so there's nothing that we can do about it. But noticing is important, and recognizing when you do that to yourself, when you recognize that maybe you're reliving something that you don't need to relive, uh, because history is not destiny, uh, or when you realize that, that maybe you're doing the same to somebody else, and we all have something that we do that we don't realize until a certain point in our life annoys the hell out of other people or hurts other people, Uh, And then once we do realize it, maybe we think we can't do anything about it. But picking that out and recognizing this is a bad habit and this is something that we can pluck away, it's not something about us. It's like biting your nails. Biting your nails doesn't define you. And and criticizing other people or criticizing something about yourself doesn't define you either. And so allowing yourself to, to take that first step and recognize it, but then also deciding that every time you recognize it in the future, in yourself or in somebody else, you'll bring it up. And that might be speaking out loud to yourself or it might be communicating incredibly clearly to somebody else in your life that this is something that doesn't fit. This doesn't fit with who you are or who they are. It's not something that's part of them. It's, it's just it biting their nails. And it's something that you can pluck away and be a more refined version of yourself rather than it taking away something that's integral. Just, just one, other, one other thing to, to point out to you is we don't get to determine how other people feel about our actions. 
And that's going to go both ways in, in your relationship for, for sure. And I've messed up in the past where like, I, I know I've offended someone, especially you know, a, a partner of, of mine. And if, if I'm in a relationship and I offend you, but I think it's stupid, like you shouldn't be offended by that. What's wrong with you? No, I don't get to determine whether or not you're offended. If you're offended, you're offended. And so it's, it's, not, it's not, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm sorry that I did. Like, I didn't mean to. And let me see if I can adjust my behavior going forward. I, know, I remember a few weeks ago in, in Nashville, um, my partner Rebecca w- was with me, and we were walking home. And I know that, like, I was just super tired, and I wasn't giving her the attention that, that I should have. And, like, I could tell she felt, like, turned off by the interaction we were having. And I just paused, and I said, hey, look, I'm really sorry. I can tell that right now I'm making you feel a particular way. And uh, I realize that is on me. I take ownership. And let's talk about this real quick. I'd like to see what I can do better in the future so that I make sure this doesn't happen again. And so adjusting my behavior um, so that I, I realize I can't please everyone as well, but you also don't get to choose whether or not um, the other person's feelings are hurt. And, and the same goes for your boyfriend. If he offends you, it's not your fault that, you're, that you've been offended. It's simply that you were offended by it. And then how do you adjust your interactions going forward to, to help fix that? Thanks for being here. Thank you. Great Thank question. you for the question. Howdy. Hi. What's your Hi. name? Lindsay. I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Oh, thanks for making nice. the ride. Thanks. Thanks for coming up. Um, so this is the second time I've guys seen you. And since I've seen you last, I've gotten sort of 70% of my personal belongings. And I've Wait, did actually- you say 700%? Yes. <laughs> 700. I also have 52 things. Math is amazing. She went out, she bought seven times more of the stuff she had (laughs) and then got rid of it all. (laughs) And I've also changed my career. So congratulations. That is awesome. Yep. I decided that it was not meeting my needs for short term or long term. So I decided to change the issue I'm having. And maybe that's not an issue is I'm now happy and I don't really know what to do with that. (laughs) That sounds so weird. I have all of this time, and I'm like... My problem is I'm too happy. (laughs) I don't know what to do. (laughs) Well, you're welcome. Next question. Um, Actually, we need to put that, like, on a book cover somewhere, right? Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, After reading this book, I'm too happy. Um, I mean, there is actually a problem. I mean, there's... there's, I mean, you're not saying that you're manic, right? No. Um, And and, and, and so um, what, what you're saying is, like, wow, I've... I feel different from how I have felt in the past. Um, and and you're, what you're doing right now is you're experiencing a new normal. But I will tell you this also, it's not, it's all, not all going to be ponies and rainbows, right? I mean, for those of you who saw the thing I, I wrote recently about saying no, it's like I have approached a crash recently and I'm course correcting as a result. And, and so there will still be new problems. Here's the good news though. That's not bad news. It's actually good news because they're better problems and you're improving your problems. What we're not, we're not doing is we're, we're not putting oil all over the road to create no, no friction whatsoever. You want a little bit of friction. That's how you get traction. That's how you move forward. That's how you grow. And so I think where you're at right now, the, it, you, you may be in a spot that you're like, wow, this is, this is feeling great. But in time, that's going to become comfortable. It's going to go from a 10 to a 8 to a 6. And all of a sudden, you're like, okay, this is still pretty good. And I don't want to give it up. 
Put yourself in a situation of discomfort, and that is the place from which you will grow. That's my pithy answer, Jess, wherever you are. <laughs> um, man, I could give you a pill right now, and it could make yeah, you... Yeah, he could. This is that kind of event. <laughs> it's a figurative pill. Um, but there are these pills out there. Uh, but I could give you a pill right now, and it would make you feel... Like, however happy you are right now, it would make you happier. Okay? So... Here is, let's think about an X, wait, X, <laughs> Y graph. This is For those good. of you at home, he's, uh, yeah, th- think of a, like a, yeah, a graph. Think of math class. So, uh, uh, X, yes, think of math class. Think of graphing. No, but think about like X being time and Y being the level of happiness. So right now, today, this moment, I'm going to put you here. And then tomorrow, that pill is going to keep you there. And it's going to keep you there the third day. And so on and so forth. What happens is that because of our silly human brains, this becomes normal, and that becomes the new X. And I, I, I'm saying this because we have this really um, uh, just crazy like saying in the Western world of, you know, if you if you find something you love to do, you don't you know you don't ever work a day in your life. Yeah. And it's bullshit. Like, it really is. Now, I'm not saying, there's probably someone here, or if not, there's someone in the world, many people in the world, who can say that. Uh, There is always going to be an exception to a rule. Uh, Those are exceptions to the rule. By and large, that is, I feel like that is not a reasonable expectation for every single one of us sitting in this room. So, so for me, um, happiness is not the point anymore. Happiness is a beautiful byproduct of what I do uh, trying to live a meaningful life. And, and that is really what I focus on. So if I had to guess where you're at right now, I'd say that you're bored. You're happy, but you're bored. And, and that's okay. Um, but the, the way you got happy is you took so much action to get there. And you had a goal, and you got there, and you decluttered, decluttered and great, and now you have made room for something else. You, you do have to figure out what that something else is. There is something else there, but you've got to be able to determine what that is. If I had to give like a, 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 the pithy answer, it would be sitting around and doing nothing while you're happy will always lead to you being unhappy. Does that make sense? It, very much so. <laughs> you, and you kind of nailed it there with the board. So I just don't know where the direction is. Right. So, yeah. so, so this is, this is what, I'm, what I would encourage you to do is just, uh, I'm tempted to just ask you right now, like what is, just name one thing right now that, you've, that you really want to put time into that you literally have put no time into over the last six months. Community service. Okay, perfect. Start there. And if, 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 there's, if you got five things and you feel really strongly about five things, that's great. You've got a lot of interests. That is awesome because a lot of people don't start with that many interests. Write them up on little slips of paper, put them in a hat, and pick one out and start there. But, but the thing that you said, community service, right off the bat, that tells me that's probably the one thing you need to start with. So I would start with, the, with some community service. Now, don't feel like you got to put in 40 hours a week of community service. Just start with an hour. What do you have a week? Even if it's a half hour. Like I know when Josh and I, uh, when, when we go to the soup kitchen and we put an hour in, like they're so thankful. If we put six hours in, they're just as thankful. So um, don't, don't overcommit. Start small and then you know, kind of layer up as you go. But, but yes, you, again, sitting around while you're happy will always lead to you being unhappy. <laughs> A mental model that helps me with this, because I dealt with the same thing, particularly back in 2009 when I went from working like 100 hours a week running a branding studio in L.A. to suddenly having 
essentially 24 hours a day to spend doing whatever, uh, which is a really crazy shift. And, and there are moments where you're like, I am wasting my time. I once had goals, I had purpose, I had stuff to do. But the thing that I, I tend to think about, or I think in terms of now, is that every time you free up time, energy, or resources, and that's kind of what minimalism and intentionality in general is all about, it's almost like you're undergoing some kind of industrial revolution and suddenly you have access to this new power source, it's steam power or electricity, and if you think of this little hamlet on the hill and they've got no electricity and suddenly it's electrified, they have a lot of potential to do a bunch of stuff, but the infrastructure's not there yet. And so what you wanna do is go through and build the infrastructure and make sure you can utilize this new torque that you have access to and recognize that you, you are empowered in a new way to spend all of this time, energy, and resources on new things. But you want to do it in a way that doesn't blow anything up. You don't want to set that hamlet ablaze. You want to make sure that you're building slowly but surely something that's more powerful and, and hopefully in a lot of ways better than what was there before, a more refined version of what was there before. Uh, so th that, that's a mental model that helps me as I increment in these different ways. Every time you get a little bit healthier or you get a little bit more time or you feel like you developed a new skill or learned something new, that's a new mini industrial revolution and you get to choose how to spend it, but you wanna make sure that, like they were saying, that you do it well. You don't burn yourself out and you make sure that you think very carefully about what you spend it on. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Congrats on everything. Keep up the great work. Real quick, I, I, we, like I said, we just landed and, and, and ended up here, so we won't have time for an added value segment because nothing has added value to our lives in Milwaukee yet. Because Except all of you. We, have, we haven't been outside of the, the, the walls here. But have you guys heard of Uber? Really helped me get here today. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I do want to say this venue is one of my favorites, and I'll tell you the reason why is when we got here, they're like, oh, yeah, we have a, a, a coffee shop and a barista downstairs. I'm like, that's pretty cool, a venue with a coffee shop. No, like, they set up just for their performers. They have a coffee shop that's functioning downstairs, and it's uh, Collectivo Coffee, which is my favorite spot in Milwaukee. So if you're listening to this at home and, and you uh, want some great coffee, the next time you come to Milwaukee, check out Collectivo. Sean, do we have time for one more bonus question? Can I get a thumbs up back there? Yeah, okay. We got time for one more question. I apologize to other folks who were in line, but we'll do a, a quick bonus question here. All right, y'all, quick interruption. If you want to listen to our bonus episode this week, as well as all of our past bonus episodes, head on over to theminimalists.com and click donate at the top of our website. Each week we publish The Minimalist's private podcast exclusively for our Patreon supporters. This private podcast shows up in your normal podcast feed like Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Google Play, or whatever podcast app you use, and it shows up right next to our normal weekly podcast you know, the one you're listening to right now. And being a Patreon supporter also gets you first access to the best tickets to all of our live events, as well as access to our monthly private live stream video, which is called Ask the Minimalists Anything. It's worth noting that none of this money goes to me or to Ryan. Instead, we're using your contributions to build a new podcast and film studio in Los Angeles so that we can create more meaningful audio and video creations. If you already support this podcast, thank you. I know that $2 often doesn't sound like a lot of money. I mean, it's less than a cup of coffee, but it is your support that keeps this podcast 100% advertisement free because 
advertisements suck. And if we can just get 2% of our audience to support this show, then we'll have enough funds to produce some amazing new creations. Your support is truly appreciated. All right, y'all, back to the regular show. Before we wrap it up, I just want to acknowledge a few folks. Um, we've been on tour all year. Like I said, we're doing 50 uh, cities in, in one year. This is wrapping up all of North America. And uh, on the road with us in every single city, we have Jessica Lynn Williams and podcast Sean. He's always hiding back there in the shadows. We love you, Sean! And speaking of added value, added value they've added immense value to our lives. Um, they spend time away from their friends and family, and Sean has 17 kids, I think. Um, no, he, he does have three kids, though, and, and uh, he's often on the road with us for long stretch, stretches of time, and, and we're grateful for that. And Jess, you know, she, she leaves her husband for uh, sometimes a week at a time to, to be on the road with us, and we're really grateful that you decided to spend your time with us. Thank, thank you so much. And um, oh, my partner, Rebecca, she went to school in Madison, and she told me to end the tour by saying, by saying go Badgers. Last person tonight I want to thank is you. I know you spent some money to get in here. We're really grateful for that. It allows us to pay for all the staff and security and even have a bed to sleep in tonight. And definitely grateful for that. But you also gave up your two most precious resources. You gave up your time and your attention. And we are really grateful for that. If you all leave here tonight with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks, y'all. Thank you so much, Milwaukee. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Hello, I'm Lari from Brazil, and this is for the lady who asked about minimizing beauty products on episode 116, Resonate. First, don't let social media like Pinterest and Instagram compel you to consume. It's easy to mistake inspiration with comparison. To me, minimalist beauty could be about enhancing what you have, instead of spending time and money trying to change it. I found freedom in embracing my natural hair texture and color. I found a hairdresser who knew how to properly cut my hair type, then minimize the time and money spent try to change it. About makeup, you can minimize the amount of stuff by owning multi-purpose tools like a beauty blender that replaced all skin and concealer brushes for me. Get rid of repeated items and throw away expired makeup as you can grow bacteria and cause breakouts. And don't feel bad if you paid a lot for something and need to toss it. If buying an item made you happy, it already served its purpose. Hi, this is Florte from Bonaire, Caribbean, Netherlands. I um, was listening to your podcast about happier and one of the questions was that I know what my future happiness should be, but how can I live more in the moment? And happiness for me isn't much like... Um, it can be small things, like happiness for me is hugging my dogs. Um, happiness for me is watching the rainbow. Happiness for me is driving my car to work, enjoying listening to the radio. So the simple things can bring you happiness. You don't have to focus on all the big things that will be my advice and the future is the future that's far away so try and enjoy what you have now even though not everything is what you want now what you have 
Hello, it is Kit like a Kit Kat bar calling from Toronto, Ontario. I just listened to your podcast about happiness and I know you just posted your next podcast, Resonate, but I did want to comment on meditation as I'm an individual who is very frustrated at the beginning of their meditation journey since I'm somebody who has a monkey mind. And the traditional idea of meditation, the sitting closing your eyes and clearing your mind just didn't resonate with me. (laughs) So I dove a little further, did a little bit of research, and I found out that meditation is actually more about being in the present moment. And once I was able to wrap my mind around this concept, it was a lot easier for me to actually have a mindful practice in everyday life, whether I'm doing the dishes or the laundry, any mundane task can be meditation. It's as long as you're being mindful and you're being present and you're being aware. So keep in mind that individuals who are maybe frustrated with the traditional idea of meditation, you can actually meditate when you're dancing, when you're going to the gym, a walk in the park, or even when you're watching TV. It can really be anything that you enjoy as long as you're present and in the moment. So I just thought that would be a helpful tip for anybody else who is frustrated out there and to just keep that all in mind. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for And you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it so take your eyes away, or take 